0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 295th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 951st episode of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 15th, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. What a champion! Well, this week's Banner Moment is going to sound very similar to last week's Banner Moment, which focused on the official visit of four-star Class of 2024 guard Jaden Mustaf. This week's Banner Moment occurred on Tuesday when five-star lead guard Boogie Fland arrived in Bloomington for his official visit. And Boogie isn't the only top prospect to hit up Bloomington this week for an OV. Top 30 six eight wing Tyler Betsy also arrived in the greatest college town on earth for his official visit, which was highlighted by this viral moment when Mike Woodson led his basketball campers in a We Want Tyler chant with Betsy in Assembly Hall. I love Woody saying, we can't hear you there in the middle, and they all get louder. Woody is in control of Indiana basketball, man. That is just awesome. Uh, and look, it's always a good week when two top 30 players visit, especially when each of them seem to have legitimate interest in joining a program that has reemerged as an attractive destination for some of the most talented players in the country. Now, look, as we know, only time will tell if Flander Betsy end up as Hoosiers. But the parade of top 50 prospects to Bloomington for official visits is is one of the best signs we've had in years that Indiana basketball recruiting is healthy and vibrant. If the Hoosiers can just convert two or three of these official visits into commitments, the 2024 class has a chance to be one of Indiana's best recruiting classes in years. And nothing raises your odds of hanging a banner quite like stacking strong recruiting classes year after year. Mike Woodson did it last season, locking down the number 12 class in the country, and he did it again this year with the number 11 class this offseason. The momentum of these official visits has IU fans eyeing a spot in the top 10 for 2024. Here's hoping Boogie and Tyler liked what they saw this week. All right, now let me introduce my co-hosts for this week. Andy and Ryan are both off, enjoying some well-earned time with family, I would say. But here with me, fresh off of celebrating another anniversary with his incredible better half, Amy. He is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology, uh, and a man who we know really knows how to celebrate a win over Purdue. Sophito! That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the coach. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide
1: to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a
0: crime. He's the coach and instant Sony time. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind this week? Hi, it's been what four weeks
1: since I've been on the show. I've been chasing, you know, (laughs) Mrs. Tonsoni around, uh, you know, we went over to Columbus, Ohio for a golf tournament and uh, saw saw a show at Butler uh, last Thursday night. So glad to be back tried to keep up uh, you know on social media see a lot of pictures of a hotel rooms with the uh, player swag uh, you know and announcements of of which 2025 uh, commits or, or recruits uh, we' have contacted on the first day all that stuff you know I, I love along with a few uh welcoming uh opening videos of workouts uh so i i was really excited those, coach <laughs> yeah I, i've just been really excited uh in in uh my absence of the show to keep up with with those things well on, on a serious note two things really stand out for me number one the importance of this summer workout when you bring in seven new guys we'll address this there's a real good question uh later in the show and and, and we'll address it somewhat in our minutes discussion we, we've done a good job of bringing in some talent, but now the the melding of that talent uh, is, is the most important thing and the biggest question mark going forward. And that's starting to take place now. Once everyone is back on campus, Coach Woodson can, uh, you know, get them in the gym, get them in the weight room, build that team chemistry. All of those things that are going to need to compete. That's number one. And then, you know, I, I'm not a big recruiting guy. I, I'll talk about them when they commit and sign and all of that kind of stuff. But your banner moment was the second big thing for me is we're we're getting the type of talent that Coach Woodson needs for his style of coaching. Uh, that's, you know, he needs those talented guys who can do Multiple things with the basketball to really implement offense and defense, uh, those athlete type of guys. And for the first couple years, he's had to kind of scratch. He had some of that and he didn't have some of that and he, you know, put some things together, but we're starting to see a roster that coach Woodson really uh, wants to, to put together. And and I can't promise that's winning this year. But when you get these 24s and these 25s that are really interested, I think that does speak well of where Coach Woodson wants to go. So those are two big, important things that we really just watch uh, the social media. We don't know a lot because we don't see the games, but they are important things that are happening in Bloomington.
0: Absolutely. Well said, Coach. Okay, here's what we have in store this week. Uh, Hoosier headlines a little lighter this week. Obviously, there wasn't a ton that happened. We've got a few of those to go through. And then segment two, we're going to dive into minutes. Look, Indiana still has one scholarship open. They could fill that. But right now, you know, that's looking less and less likely by the day. And so we've got the 12 guys that we've got. Let's start writing in minutes because it's always a bit of a reality check. You've only got 200 a game and, you know, in the offseason, every roster looks deep and, you know, like you're going to be able to go 10, 11 deep. Let's see how those minutes uh, go out. So we're going to kind of do that live uh, with you all here and then we'll answer mailbag questions like we always do. So all of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, like our friends at Doing the Work and Crimson Cast, presented by our other friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere, uh, with just so many logos that, you know, had just kind of been stuck in the in the dustbin and uh, weren't being used. And they go and find them and breathe new life into them, put them on real comfortable materials, whether it's a crew neck or a T-shirt or a hoodie, and just create incredible apparel. And one of the best things about Home Field Apparel is, if you've been to their website recently, you may think, "Well, I've seen everything that they have." Oh no, because Home Field Apparel is constantly updating. So, as you all know, my wife is a Texas A&M Aggie, and they came out with a you know Texas A&M collection. Gosh, last year sometime, and it's great. Like you know, all their collections always are. But I've been kind of waiting for a refresh. And they have one coming. I think that one's actually coming tomorrow. Uh, And that's a great thing. They're always adding new schools. They're always refreshing the schools that they have. So there's always something new to go there. It's a reason why you should follow them on social media. Subscribe to their newsletter. And then when you go to their website, if you've never ordered before, for that very small minority of you listening to this show that haven't ordered before, you can use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. That's at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out, support them, buy from them, wear one for the team, Home Field Apparel. All right, Coach, what are you wearing? Is that a Home Field hoodie or is that another kind of hoodie? No,
1: this is an old this is an old Indiana one. I was
0: going to say, it doesn't. it's not popping off the screen like your Home Field hoodies usually I, do.
1: I do think about, you know, I, I catch a lot of grief for the variety of schools that I had. I, I had a, another university sweatshirt on, Prior to the show, I went back in the laundry room and grabbed an old sweatshirt. So I would okay. not catch it. If, if you're live in grief. the
0: chat, if you're live in the chat, what sweatshirt was coach wearing? Let's see if anybody can guess the school. So <laughs> guess guess what sweatshirt uh, or what team sweatshirt coach is wearing. Um, all right. That's not we'll so up... easy. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of them. A lot yeah. of them. Um, OK, so let's hop into some headlines here. Uh, the first Hoosier headline is congratulations to Thomas Bryant, who is now an NBA champion. So he's won an NBA championship. OG won an NBA championship with Toronto. Wasn't Juwan Morgan? Oh, well, the Celtics didn't win, but he was on the Celtics that went to the finals, if I remember correctly. So that incredible 2016 recruiting class of Tom Kareens, uh, which, you know, wasn't the most heralded with OG, Juwan, and Thomas. Those guys just keep playing on winning teams, uh, which is great to see. So I was very excited for Thomas. Obviously, he didn't play um, in the series, but just a great experience for him. And I'm just happy that he got to experience that. Uh, It was also very cool seeing Jared Jeffries shotgunning a a Michelob Ultra in the locker room. There was that one clip of Jokic walking by. And then Jared Jeffries just there in the corner shotgunning a Michelob Ultra, which makes me think that we need to create like just an Indiana sports meme. And just anytime something interesting is happening, we just – you know, cut Jared Jeffries in there shotgunning. So, you know, Indiana wins a game this year, celebrating in the locker room, Jared Jeffries over in the corner, shotgunning a Michelob Ultra. Just a great, uh, a great scene, but really happy for those two guys. Jared's been in uh, personnel front office role uh, in the NBA for a while. And so that was great to see coach. The other thing that was great to see, and I know you saw this because you, uh, you liked the tweet that I sent. Did you watch the Nuggets parade?
1: I didn't watch the parade. I just watched the <laughs> clips that, that came out, but uh, the, so, there were a couple one,
0: great quotes. Number one, it was great that Jokic was there. I was very excited that he actually stayed and was there. It looked like he was having a lot of fun because that's great for the fans. So my favorite part of the parades is always when the coaches let loose. So, and Did you see after the game, there was the awesome picture of Malone being held up in the air by Jokic's two brothers? It was, <laughs> yeah, great. It was a great picture. It reminded me of you. Um, you know, just being a coach, just so happy after you've won, you know, and you've got that relationship with your players. But anyway, if you missed it, here's Michael Malone. And just to set the context here, he's standing next to Bruce Brown, who had a great season, but whose contract is up, I think. So there's a lot of people who think, you know, they may not be able to resign him because he's earned a ton of money and they just may not have the space within the salary cap to sign him. So here's Michael Malone at the championship parade talking uh, with Bruce Brown standing right next to him.
1: Is Brucey B going anywhere? Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hey, we run this shit back. We running this shit back. Hell yeah! Come on, get loud! Get loud!
0: So, if you can't tell, he is—he's <laughs> absolutely hammered. And all I could think watching that was. Coach Everett won the nBA Finals and was at the parade. that's what he'd be doing He'd be taking up for his player trying to get him a new contract and just <laughs> hammered and having fun with everybody <laughs> it was great but it was really, it's a great I love watching winning man it's it's so great watching yeah. those guys celebrate
1: he, he, you could tell his voice is hoarse from all <laughs> you know all the games in nBA playoffs and the whole yeah. season and he' probably haven't been uh, gotten too much sleep and and whatever no. waking moments there there was some champagne and and some beer uh there's nothing better better than winning um and And, and and it's it's not just it's a relief actually as a coach uh that that moment you win it's a relief and then the days after is when you really it hits you what you accomplished. but at the moment a lot of times it's just okay we did it yeah (laughs) you know uh but yeah that was fun
0: and you know the other thing that that i think makes it special watching with the Nuggets is those guys have been together for a long time. And you don't often get that in the pros. We certainly don't get that in college very much anymore. You know, Jokic and Murray have been together for a while. You know, they drafted Michael Porter Jr. Malone's been there for nine years. I mean, what NBA coach sticks around? Yeah, nine years without winning a title. So it was cool seeing, I mean, they've built it up and been through so much. And I think that, you know, that makes the the celebration even better. So it was great to see. I love watching that. Always fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of the NBA, you know, continued good vibes for Jalen and Trace. The draft is coming up. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Jalen was invited to the green room. And so he will be there, which, you know, obviously they only want guys in the green room that they think are going to you know, get picked in the top 15, 16 picks. Um, so that certainly is a good sign for Jalen. And the expectation is that, you know, Indiana will have a presence there. Coach Woodson, you know, maybe some other coaches. I know uh, I saw Jeff Robjohn's report earlier in this week uh, at Peagues that he expected there to be, you know, a good contingent of IU coaches, multiple coaches perhaps there. Um, so I know someone asked us if if Woody was expected to be there. I certainly think Woody is savvy enough to know how important of a moment that is to be there with Jalen. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's great, number one, just to celebrate the moment with the player because of everything they did together, but also... You know, recruiting is so much about photo ops and perception and PR and all of that. And, you know, having Indiana back on that stage again with a guy getting picked in the lottery uh, is certainly going to be good for the program. So continue to hear good things about those guys and where they may be picked. The Hoosier hysteria date was set. It will be Friday, October 20th. Uh, That is the same day as the football homecoming game against Rutgers, which is at 11 o'clock a.m. So more details to come about Hoosier hysteria. Uh, and then uh, Mackenzie and uh did an interview uh, over on the Hoosier Hysterics. Um, I thought some really good insight from that interview. You know, talked about how impressed he was with Gabe Cups and CJ Gunn, uh, the impact of uh, that Carmelo Anthony had. Uh, a great little anecdote at the end about. uh, you know, kind of looking for a sign and just happening to see somebody with an Indiana license plate. I don't know who that person is, uh, but we need to we need to find out who that person is and uh, and thank them. But I recommend the interview. Really, you know, sounds like a mature and serious-minded guy. Obviously, very focused on getting to the next level. Um, but I think you can just tell, you know, talking with him that he's serious about his basketball, um, which is good. Because those are the kind of guys that we want in this program uh, as we look to to take it forward. Coach, any uh, any reactions to those other news items this week? Like we said, relatively uh, just, relatively slow.
1: Yeah, I watch the NBA when it comes to the playoffs. Not a a real big league guy, but um, I am interested in this draft. Hood Shafino, for me is one is a one and done that meant a lot to the program. I mean just just the way he carried himself. Um, he he came to work. He he did his job. Uh, he he wasn't overly flamboyant, uh, which is you know big for me. But I, I just want him to uh, you know go somewhere and, and be able to win and win early. And you know in that thirteen through seventeen, he's got a chance. Uh, you know I was watching a mock draft uh, before the show. Uh, the field of sixty eight, and they had him going to the Lakers. Uh, man, that that's just going to be, you know, if, if he goes to some you know, a, a place that is already winning. Um, I know the Lakers are in some limbo there with with, with their age of their players, but sometimes they like get an interesting
0: fit for him, but
1: yeah. Um, and that was just, that was just someone's mock draft, but I like, I like him going 14, 15, 16, a little bit later. Yeah. Yes. I would love for him to go up higher. And if he does, uh, but I just think he's going to be fun to watch, um, yep. you know, in, in, in the league. And then you also have that, you know, where's Trace going? And and I just think Trace is I think Trace is gonna get drafted. I didn't think so earlier in the year. I think he's gonna get drafted. Now the question is is, you know, where? Uh and, and that's gonna be interesting. So that's the draft this year has taken on a little bit more emphasis, uh, for, for me to to watch. I watch it every year, but now I'm gonna be really tuned into where those two guys go and I appreciate what they did for Indiana basketball and I look forward to uh to having them have some success just like you said with thomas bryant you know he he has had some good minutes he's going to be a really good free agent i believe his his contract is up um you're not going to play a lot of minutes uh on that squad
0: and yeah
1: but you just want these guys romeo the guys that are in there you want them you want them to do well but hood Shafino for me is a guy that i'm really going to follow going forward uh just because i i think you know, what he did and then what he's done after, uh, with the comments that he's made about we and, and how important Indiana university was for him. So that that's the big thing of all of all of those, those headlines, uh, that I'm interested in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, I think for Jalen fit is going to be so important for him early on. You know, the reason why I turned my nose up at the Lakers is typically with LeBron, you want to surround him with shooters. And one of the big questions with Jalen is, you know, what is his catch and shoot three point shooting like? Because it wasn't great this year. He was much better off the bounce. Um, And if you go to L.A., you're probably not going to have the ball on your hands very much. You know, and so for him, you know, probably to, you know, to be able to go to a place where he's going to be able to do, you know, do some playmaking, but also I think a place that, you know, that is kind of set up to win. I think that would be great for him. Um, And I think he's a guy who could step in and, you know, and be an impact guy early on as a rotation piece. I don't I
1: don't know much about the league, but uh, the Lakers had that dude that came on late in the year. I forget his name. Reeves uh, that scored a- Reeves. Yep. And Hood Shafino maybe doesn't shoot uh, at that level yet, but you know you have a superstar. You have a couple superstars there. G- get a, get a lockdown, a guy who can come in and maybe play some defense. Run run the show. Get the ball where it needs to be. You know I, I don't know how that works in the in the NBA, but. Again, he he's going to a squad like that, uh, you know, a, a team that, uh, you know, it was the 8th seed, ninth seed, 10th seed in the play-in games. They have a, a chance to pop. Uh, that would be good for him early, uh, regardless of his role.
0: Yeah, and I saw uh, Jim asked uh, if I've seen Sam Bassini's draft guide. I have. I devour as much of Sam's stuff as I can. Sometimes I'm not always uh, current on it. Like I just got caught up on some of his podcasts today. His draft guide is the best, I think it's, you know, you have to have an athletic subscription to get it. I know we're all annoyed at the athletic right now and I am too, but I'm going to keep my subscription to support friends like Sam and Brent and Brendan Quinn and some of those guys, because there's still some really good work being done there. Um, So I want to support those guys and his draft guide is one of the best things they have. I mean, it is super detailed going through the strengths and weaknesses. You, You know, one of the, one of the frustrations I always have coach when I hear guys talk about our players whether it's like a national media person or an NBA draft analyst, and you can tell they've watched highlights or they've watched like two games. And it's like, okay, you don't know this guy. Like we've watched every game, analyzed every game. And you read through Sam's thing and it's like, okay, (laughs) I think Sam watched all of our games. Like he really understands these guys Um, and puts it in a context that what's interesting about the work Sam does is he's really good at putting it into the context of, okay, here's what this guy can do in college. Here are his strengths and weaknesses. Now here's how that projects to the NBA. And that is always important for, you know, fans like us that are so, we have our heads so deep in college basketball, the things that make you a good college basketball player aren't necessarily the things that project to the NBA. And there can be guys that haven't put up many numbers, but they have projectable traits that make the NBA interested in them. And if they're young enough, you know, there's enough of a ceiling. So if you're interested in that stuff, you know, find a couple guys that you can really trust. I think Sam is one of them. Um... And, you know, his draft guide is really good. So highly recommend it. You know, I
1: I haven't read that, and I'd be interested to see what he says. But I think there's a lot of upside. Sometimes you get some players, and they're just athletic, and and they have a long way to go, and people draft them fifth or sixth and and hope they develop because they're freak athletes. But I think Hood Shafino is a basketball player. And that's what's going to – you know, I think he he wasn't a big assist guy because he was asked to score a lot on the pull-ups and all of that. But I really liked his vision early. Uh, it, when he wasn't asked to be that full-time scorer, I think, man, he can facilitate. I, I think, you know, the question with can he guard uh, will be a big question. But I think he's the kind of guy that's going to take his uh, career seriously, get in the gym, get in the weight room, get with his personal trainers, and, and work on, on a game. And I sometimes I think those pieces of evaluation, both in recruiting and at the college game, the the statistics, the numbers, the – uh the analytics sometimes and the potential are 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 why people move up the draft and then you see some of the guys every year. Um there are guys that are drafted in the last half of the first round that become studs. I mean yeah. heck Jimmy Butler was the last pick in the in the first round when he came out mm-hmm. uh because of of the upside and and, and the competitive nature that I think Hood Shafino and that's why I'm really interested and and rooting for him to go to some place where they have good system in place, a good chemistry, a good coaching staff, so that he can develop. And whether he plays a lot early or not, uh, is part of a winning program. But I, I just think he's got a lot of upside that a lot of people might not see because he's not this you know not high flying dunk um, yeah. thirty point per game guy.
0: Yeah, uh, we often think I, I'm about excited jumps- for him. We often think about upside as athletic upside, and I don't think he has a ton of that um, outside of his length. Correct, But he does have basketball upside. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you hear the NBA people talk about him, the two big things, obviously, are he's got to get better as a catch-and-shoot three-point guy because he's going to get those opportunities. And the thing that separates him offensively is he didn't get to the basket a lot and didn't score at the rim, which has two impacts. Number one, you just don't get a lot of buckets at the rim, but number two, you don't draw a lot of fouls and get to the free-throw line. And that's kind of what separates him. I know a lot of people have said, no, he reminds me of Jalen Brunson. Um, and the big thing that separates him is, you know, even at one or whatever Jalen Brunson is, he, you know, in college, and even now in the NBA, he scores at the rim and gets in the lane, you know, and can do that. And so that's where, okay, does Jalen just not do that? Or was that because of the offense we were running and you got, you know, trace and race down low, there weren't as many opportunities. So we'll see. Um, you know, but to me, I think his floor is like the, the Jones guys that played at Duke, Tyus and uh, what's the other guy's name? What's his brother's name? I don't remember his name, but they're just rock solid backup point guards. And I think that's Jalen's floor. I think he'll be able to come in, get the ball where it needs to go, you know, make the mid range shots. He could, he'll be able to defend one through three uh, because of his length. And then, you know, if the three point shot comes around and if he can get anything at the rim, now he becomes a starter level type player. Um, you know, if I had money to bet on it, I would bet on him because I believe in him. But those are some of the things right now that projectable, like when people look at the numbers, it's like, okay, that's the red flag for him of kind of being a star. But I think as a supporting player, I mean, you know, he's, I would be shocked if he's not at least that. Yeah. Trey Jones. That's the other one. Tyus and Trey. Um, okay. Fun, uh, NBA talk here on the assembly call. Uh, coming up here on assembly call radio, it's time to talk minutes and focus on the guys who are here for this season. You know, we all hope it's going to be an actual real deep roster this season. And if that's the case, how are the minutes going to get divvied up? We're going to do our best to project that next. Stick with us. assembly call.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U S economy in 2022 As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
0: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: All right. Hello to everybody who is here live. Always Kansas great to see y'all. What about Kansas? I was wearing
1: Kansas. Okay.
0: You were wearing Kansas? I
1: was wearing Kansas, yeah.
0: His- like, I have gray sweatpants Kansas, on, blue. That... I had some blue shoes.
1: I went out for a walk. I matched. Did anybody Kansas. guess Kansas? No, is I don't think anyone
0: of did. Off the board? Yeah, Penn State. Now the Penn State obsession is over. Now, now it's, now, Notre, it's Notre Dame, Notre Dame.
1: <laughs> for a couple <laughs> of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I don't think I can announce it uh, quite yet.
0: <laughs> I'm not leaving. <laughs> coach isn't leaving. No, we ponied up the NIL and kept coach around. Don't tell. It. We dipped into. But I do Ryan's have a connection to, to the,
1: to the roster. I will once I get the. The green light, I'll announce it. Then you so can I'm pretty excited it. about a little Notre Dame basketball.
0: I will say I don't get into the NBA regular season very much. You know, in part because it's we're so college basketball focused. Man, I love the NBA playoffs because you know the regular yes. season. It's you don't know. I mean, look, you can't go all out for 82 games. In a, you know, in an NBA season. And, but man, when you watch the playoffs and the game plans are so locked in and the best players in the world are not only a hundred percent focused, but pl- I mean, that game five between Denver and Miami was so yeah. physical and they played Two great so coaches, hard. great coaching. I mean, and just incredible playmaking. I mean, just some of the playmaking yeah. that you see, it's unbelievable. I, you know, I thought, you know, Van Gundy had a great point. Miami really was relying too much on their role players. You know, they needed the the studs to step up, and that really was the difference. But it was just – it's fun watching players that good play that hard. It's so much fun.
1: With a purpose. I got a question for Jen. Jen, didn't I send you a picture uh, that was somewhat similar to what Martha put out, the actual picture? I I think I I may (laughs) have – I may have uh, – Martha was – photoshopped uh my my picture on but i think jen i did send you the actual picture where i joined in at at some point (laughs) um i went back and looked at it i almost was going to tweet it out it's it's just too embarrassing uh to tweet out the actual picture of how i joined the shirtless brigade up in (laughs) section 119
0: uh jeff says okay i I, i'm pretty sure coach marlowe is mocking me he says physical 2023 physical, or do you mean 1988 physical? I miss the old days. Here's what I will say. I I mean, I loved the old days, but you go back and watch that. That's not fun. That like became less than basketball, I think. Now, I do think the game tends to not be quite as physical as I'd like it, but game five, that was physical basketball. But it didn't take away from the freedom of movement and the beauty of Denver's offense and the ability for great players to make great plays, which is why we watch basketball. So, you know, basketball in the 80s, it took some of that away. So I thought game five was a little closer to what you want it to look like personally.
1: But Coach Marlowe just likes those uh, videos of Bird throwing the ball off of Lambert's head after a hard foul. I mean, those were great moments.
0: No, they were. I appreciate the entire tapestry of basketball, and I like that we have these different eras. But if you ask me what I would prefer, I prefer basketball where players, offensive players, can go make plays and have the freedom to do so. Um, and basketball is more like that now. But then it's fun when you see the physicality ratchet up. Uh, you know. Anyway, I enjoyed it. Let's talk numbers, Coach. What do you say? Let's go. Here we go. This is Lily King. I hope you enjoy the show, but ask yourself, do we really need this much basketball talk for a swimming and diving school? Where do you think the candy stripes came from anyway? Go Hoosiers. I always love that one <laughs> as we sit here on June 15th with another off-season episode. Thank you, Lily. Uh, welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I did want to remind you guys that we talked about this last week. Uh, we have started a premium email newsletter it's kind of uh, it kind of like fills the gap between our uh, free weekly newsletter the six banner sunday and then what we do in the community because we had a lot of people who you know wanted to get tony's iu film room content and some of the other data deep dives that we do but didn't necessarily want to be community members and so we decided to you know kind of launch this uh, email newsletter as a test and see if people liked it so far the response has been great Um, And so our two-week launch phase where we're opening it with a 20% discount, uh, it's going to end tomorrow, so you still have time to get on there. Uh, The URL is iufilmroom.com. Weekly newsletter, it's either me or Tony, who knows, we might get coach in there uh, one of these days because his coach's corner stuff inside the community is great. Um, But it's essentially just a way for us to, you know, nerd out with you a little bit more about basketball and, you know, go over some more advanced concepts, um, you know, dive into the data uh, and just really try to help us all uh, you know view and enjoy indiana basketball with a bit more insightful and informed eye um so that's what we try to do so anyway iufilmroom.com uh you can get signed up that 20% discount will last for as long as you're a subscriber um, and we're you know going to keep it going. It's going through the off season. Obviously, it'll kick into even higher gear during the season. Uh, but iufilmroom.com, We'd love to have you as a subscriber on that newsletter. Uh, if you're already a community member, you that's already included, so you don't need to worry about it. It's just for the folks who you know who aren't community members. All right, coach. Let's talk minutes. Um, because one of the things we always get into in the off season is you start we start just tossing out projections and all this stuff and. You know, it's kind of easy to say, like, so-and-so is going to get all these minutes, but there's only 200 of them to go around. And when you actually start putting the numbers in the spreadsheet or, you know, pencil to paper, those minutes go away quickly when you're trying to project for 9, 10, 11 guys, which, you know, right now, based on the roster that we have, we are. Um, And it's especially interesting this year because there's a whole lot of minutes up for grabs. You know, last year, we had a pretty good idea that Trace was going to play a lot. You know, we had a pretty good idea that X, if he was healthy... Was gonna play a lot, you know, Miller Cop and some of the other guys. And so you look at this, and and these are the minutes Indiana is replacing, and these are based on percentages of minutes played. So Trace is gone, he played 78.7% of minutes. Jalen was seventy-five point two percent. Miller Cop seventy-five point five. Tamar played fifty point seven, race played forty-nine point five, and Jordan Geronimo played twenty-three point six percent of minutes. That's a whole lot of minutes to replace with some returning guys and a whole lot of new guys as well. So, we're going to do this kind of collaboratively here and test something. We've got a little spreadsheet set up. It's all ready to go here as we add minutes to subtract from 200 until we get down to zero. And we're going to try and figure this out. We would like your input in the uh, chat mob Uh, and coach. We're going to try and assign these minutes. It's got to equal 200 and kind of give our best guess right now based on how this is. And we should be clear. We're going to assume no injuries, you know, knock on wood. We're going to just assume full health for everybody, um, because otherwise it just makes this uh, exercise impossible. Um, Try and figure out this minutes per game. Any uh, kind of overview thoughts from you before we dive into it?
1: Yeah, I I think one of the things as a coach you try to do is you want your best players to play a predominant amount of minutes. But one of the major uh, consideration is what is the optimal amount of minutes that they can play well? Uh, you know, you may want someone out there 32 minutes, but they're really better playing 26, 27, 28. Uh, and then the other big thing is what combinations of players are you interested? Uh, you know, we saw the first year we had the math subs, uh, the five man sub thing. And then, you know, if you do that, what's your second unit going to look like? If you're going to go more of a substitution, uh, player by player, what combinations uh, really work, and how does that fit in into minutes? And you can do it by player, like we're going to do it tonight, or I, I did that, and then I also did by position. Like there's 40 minutes for the point guard if we go traditional. I know positionless basketball, but there's 40 minutes for the two guard, 40 for the three, 40, and, and who gets that? Because you may have someone like uh, Mbako who goes down and plays some four uh, in some lineups. So, there's a lot of things as a staff, and depending on what this is important for the staff, sometimes that you really structure. Some coaches really structure that. I think you see that more in the NBA. Uh, I've been a part of programs in high school where we did that. We knew at the four minute mark, this guy was going in. At the six minute mark, this guy was going in. There are some that just go totally by feel. Here's the starters. If this guy looks tired or struggling, I'm going to go here this guy first, this guy second, this guy third and you go by feel. So th- th- all of those things are going to um affect the, the the minutes played. But ultimately you want your better players playing more. And then the other thing overview is you do have some young guys that you want to develop and there's nothing better than developing them during game time. But you got to win and you got to get to the tournament. So this is a great exercise. It's fun. It's difficult. Uh, I've spent many uh, days uh, when I should be teaching etching out minutes. Uh and it's not easy. So let's have some fun trying to figure it out. But those are some things I think as a as a leader of a program, you got to try to think how many minutes is Xavier going to play and, and and how many can he be efficient at. Um those are things that I I will take into effect in this exercise.
0: Yeah, and he's the clear place to start. So we'll start with him in just a second. The only other thing I want to say, again, just to set the stage, you know, minutes fluctuate, obviously, based on the competition that you're playing. So, for example, you know, you look at X's averages, and I think most IU fans would be surprised to know that over his last two seasons at Indiana, X has averaged 27.2 and 25.2 minutes per game. And a big part of the reason for that is because in some of those non-conference games, especially last year, he didn't play very much. He played like 15, 20 minutes and they got him out. Now, he averaged 30.6 minutes per game in Big Ten games. So, you know, we're kind of doing this as, you know, what is the, uh, you know, kind of general average going to be, you know, looking, you know, taking into account the fact that, you know, the starters may not play as much early, but then, you know, those minutes, the rotation might tighten uh, a little bit later in the season. All right, let's start with X. Uh, and so, Coach, just for context, I gave you those numbers last year, 27.2 uh, and 25.2 the year prior, uh, but overall has played you know around 31 minutes in Big Ten games. Let's start there because I think he's kind of got the clearest role of anybody. How many minutes are you uh, penciling in for X?
1: I, I think he's got to be around 30. I, I had him in, in two different versions, 30 and 32. Yeah, Um, he's your main point guard, uh, a veteran player. You have a rookie behind him who's going to be good. But uh, Hood Shafino averaged 33 minutes last year, I believe I looked at over the whole year and even probably more down the stretch as the lead point guard. And I think Coach Woodson uh, really runs a lot through his point guards and gives them a lot of, you know, decision making and play calling and things like that. The reason this goes down is, is, You know, he's been out a year. Uh, Does he get in foul trouble early in the season until he gets going and then his average will fall by the end of the year? Uh, Foul trouble uh, with with him. I think we saw that in his first year some. But if I'm running this team, I want him out there 75% of the minutes.
0: Yes, and without a doubt, there will be games where he plays 35 or 36 because he's healthy, he doesn't get in foul trouble, and Indiana needs him in a big spot you know, so there will be those games, but I agree with you. Um, 30 is where I was at with X when I kind of went through this exercise, when you take into account some of those early season games, inevitable foul trouble, and maybe just the game or two when the coach needs to settle him down and sit him down for a few minutes. Cause we know that's, you know, part of the X experience. Um, so I'm going to go with 30. Now here's where it starts to get challenging. Let's go next to the guy that you think is going to have the second most minutes on the team. <laughs> Who do you think that's going to be? Okay,
1: so so really when I prepared for the show it comes down to two players. Uh well, there there's actually three, but I'm going to go with Mbako. I know he's a freshman and and that's why he might not be the the second highest minutes, but if he's a top 10 player in his class and he can play that 3 and he can produce, I think you're going to try to get him as many minutes as possible. Uh but I th- also think the 4 and a 5 spot with Renew and Ware, uh, those guys uh also, but I think the veteran backups in Peyton Smart, uh, Sparks and Anthony Walker will reduce, could reduce some of those minutes uh, where there's a question mark. You know, we we like Banks, we think he can step in, uh, but I'm not sure that's as clear uh, as what Peyton Sparks and Walker. So I would answer your question: Is it's going to be Mbako as the second highest really? minutes?
0: Okay, interesting. Um... I would say I would argue for Khalel Ware. Uh, now, I wouldn't do that with a whole lot of confidence just because we know of his struggles from last year. So I leave plenty of space for this to be wrong. But I just think his versatility as a five who can also pop. I just think there's going to be more reasons at all times to want him on the court to be a rim protector uh, and because of his offensive versatility. Now, you know, and he's not a guy who got in a lot of foul trouble, so a lot of this is just going to come down ta- come down to you know his mental and emotional readiness for the season, which we all assume is going to be better this year than it was at Oregon last year. Um, you know, and then just from a conditioning standpoint and a health standpoint, how many minutes can he handle? Um, you know, and, and with Mbako being a freshman, I think you make some really good uh, you know arguments there, and I wouldn't be shocked if it's either guy. I would just lean a little bit more toward Ware. That said, they'll probably end up playing a pretty similar amount of minutes because I think a lot of these guys are probably going to end up being pretty similar in terms of how many minutes they play.
1: I, I had uh, Mbako at, uh, and Ware both at 26 okay, uh, in my final, final write-up. I had Mbako at 30 on, on one and Ware at 26 on my first um, okay. iteration of it, and so I, I decided to end up with 26 and 26 okay. in that situation.
0: All right, so let's go with that for now. I'm not going to quibble with that. As we start to whittle it down, then maybe we'll, you know, discuss where we're going to take minutes away from. But as you can see here now, with three players on here, we have 118 minutes left, and there's still a lot of guys to account for. So let's go next to Malik. Renew. What do you? And obviously with Malik, you know, you know, we certainly hope that the conditioning is better now as a sophomore. Foul trouble was an issue. Um, and some frustration from the coaching staff with just the effort that he brought consistently to games was an issue. You hope that'll be a little better as a sophomore, but there were things that kept him off the court more than he would have played last year because last year he played 14.9 minutes a game. Um, where do you think he will be as a sophomore? I I actually,
1: and maybe I'm just hoping, but I, I think Malik's not getting a lot of discussion because of all the new toys and and new players that we have in. And and it's always fun to discuss the, you know, the Mabacos and the Wares and, and those things. But Malik had a lot of solid play last year, given the things, the foul trouble and, and some of the, you know, how hard you have to play. But sometimes the best thing about a freshman is they become a sophomore. You hear that quoted on the TV all the time. And I just believe that's true. This kid is a special kid. And I I just don't think he's getting a lot of discussion in the IU Twitter world and everything that, uh, you know, he could end up being the second best player uh, besides X very easily uh, coming from Mount Vaird and and having that ability and and the ability to score at the rim being a low post guy and if he can extend out some range. So, yeah, I I think he's going to see his minutes obviously go from – You know, 14 up in the 20s. How high in the 20s is going to be the question uh, with the foul trouble, the conditioning, those things. And then you have a couple of veteran backups as well.
0: Yep. I'm not sure. I I have him at 25. Okay. That's what I had too. When I originally did this, I had he and Ware both at 25. I kind of think that may be a little high for Malik um, just because of all those issues we said and the fact that you know Peyton Sparks is like a ready-made guy to step in for him. So I think there's a lot of reasons to think this could be closer to 21 or 22, and we'll come back to it if we run out of minutes. Um, Because I I think we'll be hard-pressed to get Mbako at 26, Malik at 25, and Kalel at 26 like we have right now. Um, Maybe that's the case. We'll see how this goes. That's why this is fun to do. Um, But I can definitely see an argument. I I think it'll be really hard-pressed to get higher than that. Um, just because you don't often see, you know, bigs of that size playing, you know, huge minutes on an average basis. There will probably be games where he plays 32 minutes because he's on and other guys have foul trouble. Um, but I, I could make an easier argument for him to be closer to 21 or 22 than bumping up to 28, 29. So 25 seems like a pretty good sweet spot for now. Um, let's go to Trey next, because I think if Indiana had a game tomorrow... I think we all agree Trey would be the starter um, in that fifth spot. I think he's earned it. I think he would be the best option for it right now. Uh, Minutes-wise, Trey's minutes are interesting. As a freshman, he played 19.6 minutes when people really didn't think he would have that big of a role. Then in his second season, he played 20.8 minutes per game. Uh, And then last year, it jumped all the way to 27.7. And obviously, a big part of that was X's injury. Um, And so essentially, with X out you know, and, and Tamar struggling some, and, you know, CJ struggling a little bit as a freshman, you know, it was basically Jalen and Trey, you have to play as many minutes as you can handle. Uh, don't get in foul trouble. Don't get tired. Um, and so he played a ton of minutes. I think in an ideal world, we all hope that Trey is maybe a little bit closer to the minutes he played as a sophomore than the minutes he played last year. But what did you put for Trey's minutes?
1: I, I have him at 25. I, I think the wow. coaching staff trusts him. Uh, and, and, again, you want your best team to play the most minutes. Now, what combination of minutes? And if there are something when we go through this exercise and need to take away minutes, he's probably the first player that I'm going to go back and go down to, you know, uh, 22, 23. Um, but Trey Trey helped Indiana win basketball games last year, get a four seed as a starter, averaging 27 minutes a game. Um, I think those numbers are coming down because of of the depth and the need to play. But we don't know about Gabe Cups as a collegiate player. We don't know the progression of C.J. Gunn to get yeah. 18, 19 minutes. We don't know Caleb Banks. We don't know. Like, I think Ja'Kai Newton can come in and play, but how much? So we don't know. And I think Coach Woodson is a guy who trusts his guys. And, and as young guys, you really got to earn some time. And that time is going to be limited early until you get your shot and prove that you you can and so that's where it goes back to: how many guys are you playing? You know, I don't, I don't see Indiana as a hockey substitute. The second five, I don't think we're that deep where you can just sub in the second five and and play them eight minutes a, a half uh, that way. So yeah, I, I don't, I see Trey's minutes decreasing. I just don't know how many. So you know, that's a good and my math might be off a little bit too. So, but I think twenty three to twenty five it for Galloway.
0: I mean, his floor is 20. There's no question. I think if you're penciling him in for less than 20, you have not been paying attention to Indiana basketball for the last three years and how much Mike Woodson, you know, values what Trey brings to the table. Um, You know, and the other thing, I know, you know, Trey's three-point shooting improved last year it was limited in terms of the t- the amount of, of shot types he was comfortable with. He was basically just an open catch-and-shoot guy. Can he become a guy who hits at a high percentage with a hand in his face? Can he do a little more off the dribble? Can he shoot on the move a little bit? These are all things we haven't seen, but given that he made such a big leap last year, while recovering from surgery as well, maybe with a full healthy offseason, we can really see him you know take another jump. Because if he's doing any of those things, I mean, if he is, you know, shooting threes like he did last year at a higher volume, well, now he's playing just as many minutes as X, you know. But the thing with Trey is sometimes you need more scoring punch than what he will give you because the scoring has been inconsistent. And there are some defensive matchups he struggled with, you know. And so just that, um, you know, some of those struggles are why it's a little lower. I was a little lower here, and maybe I'm just giving too much credit to the bench. Um, but let's roll with what you have. Um you know, because again, I think Trey's gonna be a guy when it gets into Big Ten play, coaches play who they trust. And coaches just trust Trey to give him a great effort every time and be in the place where he's supposed to be, and they'll deal with some of his struggles because he does all of those other things and you can really count on him.
1: Yeah, and the thing too is as the bench develops, then you could, you know, like I, I can see Mbako's minutes drop in one or two minutes. I can see Renew's going down to twenty two, maybe uh, if if the depth is there and there's not a big drop off, then you can you know you can balance the the minutes a little bit. I just think going in, Woodson has shown that he goes with his guys uh, yeah. predominantly, and it, you know we saw that with Geronimo. Once Geronimo started struggling, he didn't get much. You know, most of his minutes were early in the season, and then all of a sudden, down the stretch, he didn't really really play an awful lot. So, um.
0: All right, so yeah, before that... – oh, no, finish your thought, Coach. Sorry.
1: No, go, that's fine. I'm, we're ready.
0: All right, so before we start doing Cups and Sparks and, you know, CJ and Caleb and, and these guys that we expect to have prominent bench roles, let's talk about Ja'Kai and Anthony Leal. Um, because I agree with you on Ja'Kai. Like, he profiles as a guy who could step in and play right away because you feel like he feels like a guy who will be able to defend, you know, even adjusting to the college level because of that length and athleticism. The issue is how healthy is the knee, you know, and, and from what I've read, that type of meniscus injury that he had can sometimes take 18 months to 24 months for a guy to feel fully healthy. And, you know, he played some in his high school season, you know, he's doing some things right now, but I think it was, I think it was the hysterics podcast where he said he's not quite hundred percent yet. So I really don't know how to project him. Um, and I think we're probably smarter being conservative with him just because of some of those question marks. Um, you know, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, he's a guy that they could potentially decide to redshirt, and then he's playing no minutes. And then, you know, Anthony Leal is a guy now entering his fourth season that we all love and appreciate everything that he brings, you know, to the, um, you know, to the program. But, you know, last year was his lowest in terms of minutes. He played two minutes per game, um, you know, and only appeared in seven or eight games, I think. So it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to pencil him in for a big minutes jump, given, you know the amount of talent that's in front of him right now obviously if there's injuries and you know guys aren't available he'll be ready to step in but i don't know that it makes a lot of sense to to put a big jump for him so what do you have for those two guys before we jump into the other guys
1: well if you go on per game leal's going to get some of his minutes you know in in a mop up duty i'm just going per game i went with zero for for leal and it breaks my heart cuz i think I just love, you know, what he does for this team, but, but I don't see him getting minutes unless it's uh, something at the end. I put two for uh, Ja'Kai because of the Good. knee and because uh, of being a freshman and learning learning the system. And uh, so that, that's kind of where, where
0: I went. Out of respect for Anthony, we're going to make it one. Um, and I say that, you know, that doing it based on a percentage is actually better if you're looking over a full season. Because again, like the minutes that we're going to get against Kennesaw State are going to be different than the minutes when we're playing at Purdue, <laughs> you know. So you got to take right. some of that into account. So you know, Anthony is going to, you know, we'll we'll put the one in there because he will get you know some mop up duty and some of that stuff. You know, I know some of boy. What 49ers... we love
1: for love to be wrong on that. Yes. Oh, like, no question. About absolutely it. love for him to to have developed and gotten good graces with Coach Woodson and hit threes and step in. You know that, that would be great to be absolutely brutally wrong on that. We're just going off of what we saw last year. Um, I, I don't think, uh, you know, he, he's got to make a big jump in order yep. to, to get on the court.
0: And I'm with you on the, on the conservative view for Jakai. No, know, you know, like, you know, I see people six, five minutes. I'm just, that's another one. I hope to be wrong on that one because if we're wrong, that means that he's fully healthy and ready to go. And so hopefully that's the case. So we're kind of splitting the difference here between if he plays, you know, zero and just isn't available all season, you know, and, and, and you know, kind of being a guy like CJ was last year, you know, kind of low on the totem pole, but come in for some energy um, every now and then, you know, CJ played 7.5 minutes per game last year in the games that he played in, in 21, 22, however many it was. Um, so that might have been a role that Ja'Kai would fill, but we're just taking the conservative approach. All right, coach, we have 65 bench minutes left. For Gabe Cups, Peyton Sparks, Anthony Walker, C.J. Gunn and Caleb Banks, I think of those five guys, Gabe's role is probably the most easily projectable um, as a backup point guard and secondary ball handler. What do you have for him?:
1: um, I think my math adds up, we'll see. I have um, Cups getting 12.
0: Okay: Yeah, I, and just to give a look little... at down
1: 10, 10 for Xavier. And then two, when Xavier and Cups are out there together in, in some sort of situation yep. at times, they might run two two point guards. Um, and that takes and care of the X point guard. The and,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. You know, Rob Finnessy played 18.3 minutes per game in Woody's first season. And, you know, and he played a similar role in terms of being the backup point guard. The difference there is Rob was also in some closing lineups because of his defense. And so I don't think you'll see Gabe get that role. You know, he'll get the the guaranteed minutes in the first half as the backup point guard. And then the rest of it will be based on game flow. You know, if X is in foul trouble, he'll get more. If he happened to play great in the first half and they want to roll with two ball handlers because they want to get X off the ball more, um, which I do think we'll see some, um, they'll play him. I think I was right around 12. So I think that's fair um, for what we'll what we'll see from Gabe. Um, where do you want to go next between Sparks, Walker, Gunn, and Banks? we got 53 um, minutes left to divvy up. I'm going 13 with CJ. 13 with CJ. All right. Uh, that's That number, I think, may strike some people as low. Why are you going low on CJ? Well,
1: I, I think that's an increase. That doubles his minutes from last year. Yep. and And we just don't know yet this this number if this number is eighteen or nineteen, he had a heck of a summer and has calmed down his feet and, and his quickness in his shot and he only shot eleven percent last year he's got to be able to shoot in the mid thirties low thirties to mid thirties I believe he can get there. I'm a big believer in both c j and banks uh but they played. When they were needed for an energy, a lot of times with CJ and Caleb came in and provided some energy, they really didn't have a major, major role last year. That's a big step up to be uh, the top. I I think CJ and Caleb will be the top two guys off the bench. I just think the the first five are going to get those minutes. Uh, And so when you look at CJ, you get six minutes in the first half and seven in the second. Those are productive minutes. Uh, And again... I I, I kind of hope that goes up for he and, and Banks because that means we're, we're a whole lot better.
0: So, you know, you can kind of look at him stepping into the Tamar role a little bit. And Tamar played 50.7% of minutes last year. Again, all of the minutes numbers for the backcourt guys are skewed because of X's injury. If X had been healthy the right. whole year, Tamar wouldn't have played that many minutes. Um, I think he probably would have played closer to what you're projecting for CJ. So, you know, I've probably been driving the CJ Gunn sophomore breakout hype train as much as anybody. Um, but I, I think my actual expectations are closer to what you just said. Um, you know, I think the, the ceiling, like the, the idealized version of this team is CJ just takes off, becomes a reliable shooter. You can put him into the starting lineup and Trey can become your sixth man. I mean, if everything goes perfect, I think that's the perfect scenario. I don't know that C.J. is going to be ready for that as a sophomore, um, and he's going to have to be really, really good to supplant Trey. That's why it's like the ideal version. I think what's more likely is, hey, if C.J. can give us 12 to 13 reliable minutes, you know, hit two or three, you know, maybe not hit two or three every game, but he can come in there. You know, he's going to be a guy who can provide that offensive punch and we can rely on him to shoot 35 percent. That'd be a big role. Because when did Indiana play its best last year? In a lot of games, it's when Tamar came in and provided that punch off the bench. And that's what Indiana needs CJ to do this year. So I believe in the shot. I think he's going to be at a minimum in the low 30s because um, that's what the history of guys with his statistical profile has told us. Um, so this number seems fair. I, you know, I could probably argue a little bit more, um, but I think we're fine. Okay, 40 minutes left. Peyton Sparks, Anthony Walker, and Kayla Banks. Kayla Banks at 14. Okay, uh, I'm guessing the reason why you're a little bit, and again, it's a one minute difference, but I'm guessing the reason why you're giving him the advantage is just a little more certainty about who he can guard and being able to guard more positions.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Banks and, and Baco are going to have that three spot if if that's where they can play. You know, there's some questions out there whether uh McKenzie is more of a four and then you got a log jam with Ware, Renew and and Mbako, but I think he's gonna be pushed into that spot, um, you know, that three spot. And I think that's where they've developed banks. And so you take the twenty six from Mbako and the fourteen for Caleb Banks, and that's forty minutes at the at the small forward spot. And then that's just gonna fluctuate, right? If if Mbako's not as ready and he gets twenty two, twenty three and Caleb has that, you know, I, yeah. So I think he just fits right in there. CJ gets 13. If you, if you go up to the guards, there's a little bit, um, of, with Ja'Kai and Anthony, I do think they'll play three guards sometimes, uh, and Banks and Mbaka will be on the bench. And that's when CJ gun may get a, a a little run at the mm-hmm. three or Trey can play the three too. I think that's an option as well, but I yep. think Caleb and CJ, the minutes look low. But they're your top two bench guys. And then when it, Gabe Cups, as you said, is a designated backup point guard. And then you got uh, those are your two guys at, at the wings that are going to come in. Whoever's playing the best is going to get a little more run. Uh, if they're playing better than the starters, the starter minutes are going to drop down. And then you have two uh, fours and fives and Walker and Sparks to divvy up the rest of the minutes coming off the bench for your bigs.
0: Yeah. And it's probably good as fans that we all get a bit of a reality check on CJ and Caleb. I I think Indiana fans are excited about those guys and rightfully so because of what they showed last season and some flashes. But, you know, Caleb, where was Caleb as a recruit? It's 80, 90, somewhere around there. You know, CJ was 120, 130. You know, guys like that, you know, when they come in, you project them to kind of be what they were as freshmen. You'd like a little bit more scoring and efficiency from CJ, but that might've just been small sample size variants. You know, but Caleb played six-ish minutes a game and made an impact. Uh, You know, CJ played seven minutes a game. So if they hit these marks of 13 and 14, they'll have doubled their minutes from their freshman season. Clearly, they will have, you know, been productive if they're getting these minutes. And then now with that progression, you would expect them as juniors and seniors to be able to step into more prominent roles. And when you're recruiting guys at that level, that's kind of a normal progression. Every now and then, you'll get Noji Ananobi, who's a supernova that just comes out of nowhere. But most guys, that's kind of the progression. And so I know when I'm doing these, my gut reaction is always, man, that feels too low for CJ and Caleb. I want them to get more minutes. But, you know, our desire as fans for them to develop isn't going to speed up the process, you know? And so I think this does represent kind of a fair progression and it would not signal that, oh, these guys aren't ready to be guys. This would actually signal the exact progression you want from recruits, you know, from that ranking range basically okay 26 Absolutely. minutes left give me your numbers on peyton sparks and anthony walker and then we'll break them down well
1: we got some minutes to adjust here because i i had both of them in the 10 minute range so yeah. that leaves us some six minutes to play around with
0: Ooh, okay so you had both at 10
1: yeah and if we're gonna go up i would go up on peyton on sparks yep. sparks uh, at the five spot, um, because I think Ware and Renew both can play the four. Uh, yep. I, I think you'll see some Ware Sparks combinations. I, I think uh, Walker is that veteran presence coming in uh, to to play. You know, five minutes here or some foul trouble, uh, and he really is valuable for those times when Renew plays twenty minutes because of foul trouble, and you got that veteran Walker to go in and play for him. Um, but that's just a guess. It could be the other way around. Uh but I think those guys are going to get uh that type of, of run. You could go 13 and 13 and then every bench guy is within twelve or fourteen points or or, or minutes, uh no, or I... you could add to CJ Gunn
0: uh some minutes there with a six left over. So yeah, on Sparks, and again, just for context, um, in terms of how Mike Woodson's uses backup center, Durr played seven minutes a game and Renew played 15 minutes a game. Um, and obviously, Renew could do a whole lot more stuff than Durr, and Sparks can do a whole lot more than Durr. So he'll play more than that. Um, you know, splitting the difference puts you there around 11, 12. I would go with 12 for Sparks. And again, I know I'm kind of high on him, um, but I just think there's going to be some nights in the Big Ten with a team this young where you're going to need a spark no pun intended, and he's the kind of guy who provides it because he can go get easy buckets, and he's going to make hustle plays. Um, So I think there's going to be games where he plays six minutes, and I think there's going to be games where he plays 24, and he plays so well that I keep him on the court because he's scoring and doing well. It's a long season. you know. We know all those games happen. So I would actually be okay. I would actually bump. No, let's keep him at 12 for now. Walker last year at Miami played 10 minutes a game. The previous year he played 14 minutes per game. Um, and though it's on, you know, good teams that competed at the top of their conference and made deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, so maybe maybe I'm low on, on him though. No, I mean, I think that's probably about right. You know, if you wanted to split the difference between his two seasons, it would be at 12, but it's, I mean, I, I actually think most fans would probably have that number lower. Um, because I think it's a little bit, he's not the guy that you easily pencil into lineups just because we're not familiar enough with his offense yet. But again, you know, we we have to recognize the reality of the season. It's a young team with a lot of new parts. And what does Mike Woodson always default to? He always defaults to experience. He always yeah. does. And he's going to have to adjust that this year because McKenzie and Baco did not come here to sit on the bench. And, you know, if you've got, You know, if you're not playing Kalil Ware, you know, what are you doing? Um, Now, those guys have to earn their minutes, but it's going to be different for him. But, man, I still think you're going to see Sparks and Walker get – they're going to get their minutes, Um, and it may not be every game, but they're going to find it. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll bump him to 11, just on the – with remembering how much Mike Woodson always goes with his vet. So, that leaves us with three minutes left to play with. We've got X at 30, Trey at 25, uh, uh, McKenzie and Baco at 26, Renew twenty five, wear twenty six, cups twelve, sparks twelve, Walker eleven, Gun thirteen, Banks fourteen, and then Newton with two and Leal with one. We've got three additional minutes. I would probably give the, I'd probably bump X up one minute um, because I think he's going to get as many minutes as he can handle. Um,
1: and then where would? I, you I think you could probably,
0: those? you
1: could probably, if we did this, take one, take a minute away from Trey, and renew and Ware. And that's still 75. Isn't that 24? Uh, what's that?
0: 60. Wait, did you say take a minute away from them? Yeah. Well, we have go three Go 24, 24, 25,
1: 24, 25. Yeah, and then, then you add some to the bench guys.
0: Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. If,
1: you th- if, we're, if we I mean, think we're low on the bench guys, I don't or are we fair that, on the bench guys? I don't guys? think
0: we're that low on the bench guys. I mean, I think we're within range where we just need to add these three minutes. Um, so go
1: one Xavier Johnson, as you said. Yep. And then add two to Ja'Kai.
0: Mm, let's, let's stay conservative with Ja'Kai. Maybe it's CJ and Caleb that we add the minute, that we each give one more minute to. Or Gabe. I, I'm, I'm fine you with that. Make, and, and this is where we're at here. You got two minutes left. I mean, we're guessing on something that's going to happen in four months. So we're not going to come up with the actual answer. Um, but I think the purpose of the exercise is just to kind of see how this all breaks down. Um, you know, it doesn't always come out as simply as you think. Um, let's just add one to each of these guys just to make it official. So there we go. There's our official assembly call minutes projection, uh, for the season. By the way, Coach Marlowe has demanded that we can't take minutes away from Trey in the chat, um, which is probably smart. <laughs> if you're ever going to add minutes to a player in, in, it's a pretty safe bet to just add them to Trey because I will say this. He finds a way to get them. <laughs>
1: Jared for for our listeners if you have some downtime and want to do some research go to a variety of the top 20 um teams from last year and just pick random teams and go to their statistics page and look at their average minutes and, and you'll see you know that most teams run seven, eight guys strong minutes, and meaning fifteen or more. And then your ninth guy is going to be anywhere from ten to fifteen. And then below that, that's six, seven, and eight. You, that's almost, you know, some schools are heavy with six guys. Some guys, some teams try to play ten or eleven evenly, but that's what I did. Uh, Jared got a hold of me this evening, and I spent, I went and and looked at um, Connecticut's minutes, and they didn't have anyone over thirty. Wow. But they only had eight guys playing significant, what I would consider significant minutes on a national championship team, and then uh, I, and again, I went and looked at the season averages.
0: Minutes. The season averages aren't always indicative of how the team's going to play in March. Right. Those two things right. are different. If you were telling me to but project it does the NCAA tell you, tournament, this exercise would be a lot different.
1: No, but it tells you the rotation idea yes. of the coaching staff, right? Yes. If you see eight guys with 15 or more minutes and then everyone else is down below 10, you know they relied on those eight a majority yep. of the time in some sequence. That, that's the exercise that I, that I do as opposed to looking at the average for the year yep. um, because your average minutes, if you play seven games, um, is skewed that way. It doesn't all add up. But you do get an idea of how many uh, are in the rotation for these programs that have won in the past uh, i i do that every every fall as i'm getting ready to try to predict some of the of the bracketology stuff and, and just to get when, when we start talking about you know who should coach be subbing and and what how many players should be in the rotation i try to go see what other programs do yeah. especially the winning programs uh, how many players do they rely on i'm a firm believer on nine uh you know you It's hard to play that 10th and 11th and 12th guy a lot of significant minutes to get them developed. I believe a good rotation is nine because you need your better players playing. They need to be able to get into a flow together. Your subs need to come in. You know, we mentioned this uh, with Tamar that did he get to play a lot with Trace Jackson Davis his freshman year? He didn't. He, He, you know, so there's some of that kind of rotation stuff too. But but go look at the minutes. Uh, it, it tells you know what each program uh, believes in. UConn played eight guys, a ninth guy sparingly, uh, and they were the best team in the country last year. But every one of their guys were right around 29, 28, 27 average. Uh, and, and you see that your best players are going to get 25 or more minutes a game, and that's why they're the, you're the best players in the program.
0: All right, last question on this exercise. Where are our picks most at risk? In other words, if we're going to be wrong, where are we most likely to be wrong? I think there's a couple obvious ones that jump out. One is Ja'Kai. If he's fully healthy, he's going to play more than two minutes right. a game. But that's we're just kind of making a guess there. So forget about that one. I think the two places where we could be the most wrong, one is Mbako. If Mbako is a badass, yep. he'll play 30-plus minutes. Um, Correct. He, he'll play a lot. So we're being a little bit conservative with him. Uh, at 26 again I think that's fair for a projection but we could be wrong and then I think the other two guys that jump out would be CJ and Caleb now I think if CJ is a lot better than we think he's got a clear path to more minutes because there just aren't that many people blocking him even if Caleb makes a big jump I don't know how his minutes get a whole lot higher than 15 with Mbako there you know and then the guys that you have at the four I think it would be much harder for him to get a big jump in minutes than CJ, even with a similar level of growth. So to me, the two places where we're at risk, I think, would be Mbako and CJ, who, if they're better than we think, they're going to get more minutes. Just that's Let how me add go. a
1: third area. I think the two post players can see minutes go down, and we might be too high on Malik and Kalel, even if they're having, you know, good decent seasons. <clears throat> Those other guys are talented enough to take some minutes away, and that might be, for me, wishful. I want Malik to have that great sophomore year because he's from Mount Verde, and I want Kalel being a top-ten guy that he was before he went to Oregon and struggled at Oregon. But there's still some question marks with both of those young men on where they're at at this point of their careers, where maybe with the veterans in Sparks and Walker, those minutes get evened out a little bit. So that would be the third place where I think you might see a you know, three or four minute, you know, deduction there. And that's where Jared, you could fit if uh, Embaco goes down and plays some four when banks, you got banks and Embaco, that's where you could see Embaco go up to 30. uh, Banks go up to 20 and then renew down to 20 and where down to 20, you know, that can be a mix, too, because all of those guys are real close, in my opinion, yep. with Banks being the the guy that's the fourth of those list, But that's three, four, and five spots can all kind of be worked together there. Uh, it goes back to the biggest question for me, though, is spacing again. Can Embaco space the floor? Can where? I believe can do it. Can renew? Uh, can we get away from the double post that we had uh, with our two yeah. post players last year? And, and does Indiana go away from that? But this is, I think you made a great point, and I want to restate it. I believe C.J. Gunn and Kayla Banks are going to be significant uh, parts of this Indiana basketball team. So saying they get 14 and 15 minutes isn't saying that they're not developing or we've heard something. It's just that when you're the backup, you're going to get backup minutes, and that's usually anywhere from 12 to 20, depending on who you're playing, injuries and all of that kind of stuff. So we've kind of split that difference. If they're playing yeah. 14 or 15 minutes, they need to be good. Yes, Because you can't be bad in those 14 and 15 minutes uh, playing that, uh, that important a role because then you got your starters being overextended. And I thought at times last year, as great as TJD was and as great as Hood Shafino was, there's probably some time where even Woodson would say, we just overextended them because we had to due to X's yeah. injury and, and some other players like Geronimo not fully playing. So uh, yeah, I'm still sold on CJ and and Caleb uh, as big
0: parts of this basketball team next year. This is, you know, this is how college basketball used to go when, you know, guys developed for a couple of years before they took on starring roles. They're just, they're on the right path. I think we as fans have to maintain patience with them because we're all so excited and like them so much, but. All right. And again, you know, this is an average of the entire season. You know, you know, people saying, um, you know, maybe Sparks and Walker are a little bit heavy on minutes. They might be, but I think those guys are also going to play a lot in the non-conference and that's going to help bring those minutes up. And then, you know, again, they're experienced guys and we know Mike Woodson will default to those guys. And with so much youth in the front, in the starting front court, I think we may end up seeing them more than we think. So anyway, lots of time to discuss this, the rest of the off season, We just wanted to do this fun exercise, and we encourage you to do it. So if you do the exercise on your own, uh, if you're in the community, maybe we'll open up a thread where everybody can post their own minutes projections. Uh, If you're not, shoot us a note on Twitter because we'd love to see, especially if you differ greatly on one of these players, um, let us know uh, where your minutes came out.
1: You know, it's really – we got everything even for the starters except for X, and we got almost everything even for the bench. I mean, I think we really really kind (laughs) of made some tough decisions here. Yeah. yeah, really. Also, <laughs> you know, I saw a question in here. 11 to 15 on the bench and, and 25 <laughs> to 31. Boy, we really, we're out on a limb.
0: It's We're you taking know, some like, risks. I know. It's hard projecting this stuff. That's why everybody should do the exercise, because it's difficult. Um, Van Pasterman, what if bad X shows up? Well, Gabe's going to play more, and we're probably not going to win that game. I mean, that's we'll get to this, but we, we need X this year. X needs to be good. Uh, often quickly
1: on that be patient with x when you sit out a year and and really couldn't do any basketball stuff um and we know that he wants to win so bad he's gonna he's gonna be have some games where he tries too hard and, and we've seen that throughout his one season he's settled in as the season goes on we need to be patient patient with x because we want good x in february and march we don't yeah, we kind of need him in November and December, but uh, we'd rather have good X, uh, you know, down the stretch. Be patient with them because it will this take time to knock off the
0: rust. Write this down so you can remind coach on November 13th when he's mad at X in the postgame show, remind him that we, that he said to be patient. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, All right, coming up on Assembly Call Radio. That was fun. Now we'll do something else that's fun. We'll jump into the mailbag. Got a bunch of fun questions uh, from our community members, and we will answer them next. Stick with us on the Assembly Call.
1: Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions, rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.
0: My wife always asks me, like, how long do you think the show will be tonight? And I'm always like, "Yeah, <laughs> I think we can probably get out in an hour. There's not that much that happened. Yeah. And she's like, you always say that. I was like, I know, but tonight, it's just me and Coach. Not that much happened. Pri- nope. Like It there might go 10, 90 minutes, now, and isn't. here we are. It's been 75 minutes already. <laughs> here, here's one thing that I, I, I
1: struggled with is one of the weaknesses uh, uh, as a coach. When you believe in kids and you want kids, you see kids for what they can be. Uh, my dad gave me some uh, advice. He's no longer with us, uh, but he gave me some advice when I was a coach, and he goes, you've got to evaluate the players on what they're doing now. Not necessarily what you you can't. I mean, playing time wise, you can't yeah. play a kid because you believe he's going to be good. You've got to play a kid because he's demonstrated and can be trusted. And sometimes when I go through those minute exercises, man, we brought Walker in. We can't sit him, you know. He, he's played, so we got to get him some minutes here. No, you play the guys who are producing, yeah. uh, and, and good coaches can can draw that line between they all. You know, Woodson likes all 12 of those guys, loves all 12 of those guys. If he didn't, he shouldn't be our coach. But he's got to play them in the right combinations. And sometimes you make the right decisions and sometimes you don't. I sometimes played kids based on how hard they, you know, practiced and and that I thought they could do this and they could be a better passer, they could be a a, a better shooter. But until they demonstrated, I got better once I realized I'm playing the guys who are demonstrating – and I'm communicating to the others that you're not quite ready. And I think, again, we've talked about Woodson. I think he communicates that because he's no nonsense. You're not playing because you're not playing well in practice. You're not giving yep. us what we need right now. But that'll change those minutes uh, as well. Sometimes I think, oh, this guy's got to get this many minutes or he's not. No, we we don't know. If he's not playing, if Walker's not playing or 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 Gabe Cups is struggling, then you're going to go to Trey Galloway as a backup guard and, and Woodson's going to wait until they're ready. So – that affects things too and i think that's uh that's the what woodson and staff are doing right now is figuring out what combinations who they can trust and over a long summer and a long fall uh getting ready for that november game they're going to have an idea where they're at in november and that's going to affect those minutes that we just just
0: put through yeah well said all right let's hop in and answer some questions coach here we go Um... Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the Assembly Call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Well, thank you for that, Ethan. I'm Jared Morris, here with the coach, Ryan Tonsoni. We just got done divvying up the minutes uh, for this this IU roster, and now it is time for the mailbag. All of these questions this week submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, So if you heard me talk about the newsletter in the last segment, the community is everything that's you get access to everything that we do. Um, and there's conversations going on in there every day, all day, uh, even during the off season, it's just a great place to go, uh, be with serious minded and supportive IU fans like you. Um, just, you know, it's a good extension of the chat mob, which is what we want it to be. Um, so come check it out. assemblycallcom community. And uh, just a reminder, make sure that you are subscribed to our friends at Doing the Work if you haven't subscribed to them yet. Uh, They've got an interview with Chloe Moore McNeil in their uh, recent archive. They've got another episode coming up soon. Lots of exciting stuff happening with the women's basketball team. They're taking an overseas trip. They've had some recruiting commitments. uh, And obviously, based on what happened last year, big expectations for this season. Uh, And so Kathy and Jeff will be breaking all that down here moving forward on Doing the Work. All right, Coach, let's get to these questions from Matt. Admittedly a self-serving question, but do you see IU playing any more preseason games out west, uh, i.e. the Vegas Clash, against Arizona, which you were at, coach, uh, for the Hoosier fans living in the Mountain States? Uh, so just to add context context to that, this season, Indiana doesn't have a game on the West Coast. We're playing in the Empire Classic at Madison Square Garden, and then we scheduled uh, a game against Auburn in Atlanta, which I believe is just a one-off. I don't think there's a second game, and it's not a home-and-home Uh, And so I think moving forward, that's what the schedule will look like. You know, opportunities like Maui, when they come across, Indiana will take. Obviously, it's been discussed that the Indiana-Kentucky series may resume. You know, we'll kind of wait and see on that. But there's no more Big Ten ACC Challenge. There's no more Crossroads Classic. There's no more Gavit games. Um, And so we'll see if, you know, the Big Ten Conference decides to get another challenge but now it seems like Indiana really wants to put itself in a position to have these high-profile games, the home-and-home home against Kansas. You know, With the amount we're recruiting in the South, that's one of the reasons why we went down to Atlanta. Um, I think it's very clear the staff already has connections on the East Coast and wants to continue recruiting kids from the East Coast, like Dylan Harper and like Boogie Fland and like Mackenzie Mbacco and all these guys. So to answer this question, my guess, based on the recruiting footprint of this staff, is we would default more to you know, home and home series like we have against Kansas games out in New York or out East, maybe in the South and then games out West would kind of be next in the pecking order. So I wouldn't, you know, kind of expect them to happen on a regular basis, but there may be opportunities like the one with Arizona for it to happen. Um, So it's, you know, it's always difficult. Those things can change so much. But I guess the best answer is I would think games out West would be lower on the pecking order based on where we're focusing our recruiting efforts. And make no mistake, those scheduling decisions are made in large part uh, because of recruiting and getting exposure in the areas that you want to be. You know, and obviously they want to get around to different places for the fans. uh, But you also have the NCAA tournament and other ways that that can happen. Do you, do you get any other sense, coach, or do you think that's a fair assessment? No, I, I, I
1: totally agree. A lot of it's about recruiting. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have more games uh, in New York City, Brooklyn, uh, Washington, D.C., the, those types of, of games, and, and along the eastern coast, uh, and, and then maybe in Florida, too. Uh, you don't hear too many of the, the one-off games being held down there, but you do want to go where you can be seen and and, and you get that coverage. But the West Coast is also good for your fans. Like, it was a great, great trip to do that. So you won't say no to that, but I do think I agree with you in the pecking order of you'd prefer to go here, you'd prefer to go here, get some good teams into Assembly Hall, and then if it presents ourselves, we'll go to, you know, uh, Arizona, Phoenix, some of those places so fans can we'll be make going that to USC and out, UCLA, out <laughs> uh, yeah, on, on a regular basis. Uh, yeah. So I do, I do agree with that. I do. I, I'm old fashioned. I, I like games being played on college campuses, but I get where we're at right now. You do need to recruit, and, and we have been behind the Ohio States, the Michigan States in playing in some of these big, yeah. you know, types of games, and. and we need to reclaim that spot, too. Uh, it's not Michigan State's conference. It's not Ohio State's conference. It's Indiana's conference. And if anyone's going to be invited to a four-team uh, you know, yearly thing, it needs to be Indiana playing UCLA and then the next year playing North Carolina and, and doing those types of things. We need to get in those events now that we're out of the crossroads. So unless something like that pops up out west, I, I do agree with that pecking order.
0: I think Ryan's first time ever hosting should be the first Indiana-USC postgame show that we do. I think that would be very appropriate. Make him host that one. I,
1: I'll probably be dead by the time he hosts the show. <laughs> and I plan on living for another 30 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, all right, uh, next question from Rob. If you could pick three of the current targets for 2024 right now, who would it be? He says, mine are Derek Queen, uh, Harper and uh, Liam McNeely. I think Flory Badunga has other plans. He has his official visit coming up with Duke, where a lot of people think he's going to end up. Uh, he says, I think we only pull one of the combo guards. That would be Dylan Harper, Boogie Fland, and Jaden Mustaf. Uh, do you have a uh, a top three? I think Rob, you know, his choices are pretty good right now, I would say.
1: I... I will say this. I, like I said, I I follow this, but I'm not really interested until they commit or they get you know the visits and all of this kind of stuff. We got the visits coming. The last uh, this last week has been really good for for Indiana, so I don't have favorites. Um, the McNeely kid seems like a, a guy that you really want in the program. Uh, yep. I don't know a lot about him, but I think he he is an all around player. You're gonna, you want one of those bigs if it's not um, Badunga... get Queen. queen. So I think Rob is right there. You want that guard, that combo guard, you want that that shooter, that scorer, that slasher, and you want a big in that class. And if you can get those top kids in that class, that's a heck of a class. So I think Rob's right on with where he's going with his favorites. And so I'll just, you know, piggyback on on his favorites. I think if you get those three, uh, I do like Queen. I like the Mount Vaird connection. I think those guys come in ready to play. Uh, And um you know, so it's one of those where Badunga has a motor and a huge upside because he just started playing a few years ago that you can't pass up. Uh, so, and, and I coached against him. So, you kind of want to see if, if I was leaning that way. But some something says that Queen might be the better player for Indiana.
0: I mean, they're just, they're two totally different styles. Right. I mean, Badunga right. is rim protector, rim runner, transition. Rebound. But doesn't yeah. have a whole lot of offensive skill yet, and Queen is a below the rim type player with just a ton of skills. Um, yep. And I know, you know, because of that, it's kind of soured people on him a little bit, just because you know we've spent the last four or five years kind of playing with two bigs, and it felt like we want to get away from that. But you know, again, I, I kind of go back to watching the NBA Finals, and I don't say this to compare the two players, but you know, you watch how a guy like Jokic, who doesn't have that athleticism but can just control a game because he understands angles, because he can pass, because he has ball skills, because he has good footwork, like all of those things. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what Malik Renu brings to the table. And I think Derek Queen brings a lot of those things. So you're going to be giving up some rim protection and it's not going to be the athletic force that we've been used to having down low, but you just have to switch your mind a little bit and it's just a different formula. But that guy can still impact basketball games in a huge way. So I've gotten more, a lot more excited about him as a potential recruit, in addition to the fact that it seems like Indiana's in a really good position for him. So I'm with Rob. You got to get one of Harper, Flander, Mustoff. That right there kind of anchors the class as your you know lead ball handler with X gone. And all those guys project to be able to step in right away and play. Uh, Liam McNeely, Queen, and then see who else you can get. If you can get a Tyler Betsy and one of those other wings that can shoot, even better. Uh, okay, this was a fun one, and I probably spent way too much time today going over this and trying to find an answer, but this is from Jeff. Probably could have taken an entire episode on this one question. He says, starting yeah. in the 70s, picking one Indiana player from each decade to present day that would make up a starting five. So I'm assuming that you got to kind of group the, you know, the 2010s and these last couple seasons um, to get five. And this wasn't specified, but, you know, coach, we kind of looked at this as playing a game in modern day basketball. So taking those players and then playing a game today. Do you want to go first with your five or do you want me to go first?
1: Well, you go first because I went some alternative choices because of your choices. So okay. I think your, cho- your choices fit better uh, to start.
0: So when you really start doing this, you kind of got to figure out who you're going to prioritize. Because you go to the 80s, it's like, man, I could pick Woodson. I could pick Alford. There's a lot of different guys that you could go with. Uh, You will not be surprised to know that the first name that I put on my lineup is Calvert Chaney. Uh, If you thought I was going to make a lineup like this without Calvert Chaney in it, you're crazy. So the 90s were already taken up for me. I'm going to take the best score in school history and build around him. The easy next choice for me was Isaiah Thomas, who I think is just the best overall player. And he's the best point guard. Um, And so I wanted to take him. So that immediately eliminates a whole lot of great players from the 80s and 90s. But I've got my top scorer and I've got my point guard. From there, again, we can go back to the 70s. It's very, very difficult to pass up George McGinnis when he's available in this this exercise. So I decided to take George as my center. And so I've got Isaiah, Calvert, and George. What I need is a little bit of outside shooting and some defense. And so I decided from uh, from the aughts, you know, I, I my I thought about going with Jared Jeffries. You could go with DJ White if you were building your roster in a different way. But I went with Eric Gordon. So I've got two freshmen who we didn't get to see a lot. Um, but, you know, guys who turned in two of the best freshman seasons in school history and George McGinnis and Eric Gordon. And then for the 10s, boy, that was a tough one. You know, he's you know, got Zeller and Oladipo and a lot of those guys. I went with OG um, because I thought OG would really fit with this lineup because he can, you know, just be a guy who can score on putbacks and, you know, just kind of, you know, space in the floor, shooting threes. Uh, but he's going to be your defensive stopper, you know, who can guard one through four, um, uh, you know, while not needing the ball uh, a lot on the offensive end. So that's my lineup. I've got Isaiah, Eric Gordon, Calbert Chaney, OG Ananobi, and George McGinnis might not have quite as much outside shooting as you would want um, and could be a little vulnerable on the glass in certain matchups, uh, but I think that's a pretty good roster that other teams would be hard-pressed to score against, especially if OG is there to shut down your leading score. So I feel pretty good about that lineup. Coach? And I think it's well-constructed, yeah, hopefully.
1: Yeah, you have a great lineup there, and I tried to go a little differently, but I, I like you, had to go right to my favorite all-time player, and that was Quinn Buckner And <laughs> I the knew 70s. you were going to
0: start with I, Quinn. I mean, you can't Right, go wrong so, with Quinn, really, <laughs> defense,
1: point guard, coach on the floor, uh, you know. But boy, that takes away McGinnis and some size. Um, it takes May. away. Neither of us picked Scotty May. I mean, so I was going to
0: pick May. I thought he might be a little redundant with Calvert because they scored in some right. similar areas. So so
1: I matched. I matched with you, Cheney and Gordon, because
0: you got. You got the shooters. What are you going to Get, do get with out that. of the way, Calvert in the mid range, Gordon deep and at the basket.
1: So you got a great scorer in Chaney who can shoot, drive, score. You got Gordon who can do the same thing. You got Buckner who can run. Not you. You don't have any forwards. Yep. So now I have the decades of the seventies, nineties, and the aughts, and so now I got the eighties and in the tens. And man, so you, I can't. I can pick Isaiah if I want to run two point guards, but now I got four perimeters or three perimeters and a forward and Cheney. So I had to leave off Isaiah. That's how good Indiana basketball's <laughs> been and how great the history is. I'm leaving off Isaiah Thomas. What a dumbass. <laughs> but I but I I went with one of my other favorite players who played both in the 70s and the 80s. Uh but I took him for the 80s Ray Tolbert as just that Mm-hmm. That power forward run transition dunk defense. You know we we got we got two scores. Uh, sorry, Isaiah, you froze out Michael Jordan. So I I, I can't. <laughs> oh come on can't now. You for that, this is a safe space um,
0: for Isaiah Thomas. <clears throat> the the uh,
1: and then I went. Uh, with, with Zeller, too, as my five, uh, because he, he was really as good as Aladipo uh, and Watford and all of those guys. When Zeller came, that really completed that team uh, and started to run there. So that was my five uh, in the tens. And, and I left off Aladipo, a yeah. double dumbass. I well, mean, no Isaiah, no Aladipo. I mean, that's, we're deep. We have a deep history. Deep. We that's need to get thing. back to that.
0: I know. We need to get back to that, right? In my first lineup construction, I had Zeller in it. And then I went a different way in the 70s. By the way, if you have not gone and looked at... I know Cody, like his counting stats were, you know, they're fine. If you haven't looked at his Ken Palm page in a while, go look at Cody Zeller's Ken Palm page. I think it'll surprise people to be reminded how awesome he was and how efficient he was at almost everything on the court. He was terrific, um, and he'll he'll get passed up a lot and overlooked in discussions like this. But you can make some really good lineups uh, going with Zeller. So yeah, that's fun. If you haven't done an exercise like that, that's really fun. So great question uh, from Jeff. It's Send those fun, but it's in. torturous. Those make off-season shows fun. <laughs> it's, it's I know.
1: Also not fun
0: because you feel bad because <laughs> you're leaving off so many good players. And how okay, about you know, Henderson? We didn't. Okay, here's the thing. We're talking about a modern team. We didn't even mention Steve Alford. We didn't even mention Jay Edwards, the two best shooters. I mean, you know, so someone could come make a lineup with the guys we didn't mention and probably beat the lineup that we have. (laughs) So, you know, because there's probably guys I can't believe I forgot or I didn't put Jay. I guess I could have put Jay in the 80s or no, he was in the 80s. So but then but that's the thing. You take Isaiah and he takes out that whole decade of all these other awesome players. So, well, same with Cheney, too. You,
1: you know, Henderson yeah. <laughs> would have been nice post-presence, right?
0: Yeah. I know. Brian Evans would be a great connecting piece on a lot of great teams. Like, if you could have Brian Evans as your fifth guy, he'd be ideal because of his ability to make shots and pass. But you can't if you have and Calvert. How about just all-around
1: stud, do-everything A.J. Moye? You can't exactly. pick him because you got Gordon,
0: right? I know. I right? know. I know. Um, okay, so that was fun. We could spend all thanks a lot, Jeff. But yeah, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jim says, "Will Woody you. You, well, attend the NBA draft? I'd be shocked if he's not there." So we'll go with yes. Here is another really interesting question. We'll spend a little time on this from JD. What is the thing you strongly believe about next year's IU team that you think is farthest away from the general feelings of the team? This is a really hard one to answer. But I'm glad he gave us very specific parameters for this. So I'll let you go first, Coach. What do you strongly believe that you think you're kind of out on a limb on based on other stuff that you've read or other discussions you've had? I'm going to go an interesting
1: way first because this is a pro. Um, I haven't heard much discussion about this, but I think Indiana is going to be a much better rebounding team because of their athleticism and size they were like 205 in giving up offensive rebound percentage on Ken Palm That's I terrible. think uh, I looked and they were only 195th or something in getting offensive rebounding percentage and got worse I think as with Embaco imba- and, and and now you know you just had players that couldn't go rebound. Uh, last year just because of who they were. And now you're going to have guys that can go rebound. You just look what Banks did in the limited time, how many times he went and kept the ball alive on the offensive glass, tipped it somewhere somewhere. Uh, you got Mbako who could probably go do that too. You know, a lot of rebounding is go get now. Block out, hit, and go get. Well, you got guys now that are going to be at the rim or above the rim type of players at the three, four, and five spots wherever you slot them in. So I'm really high on this rebounding, which is going to help in both getting some more points and preventing points, and I think that might be a key, and I don't hear a lot of talk about that. We're not too deep into the season, but that's one where I think I am very, very high on uh, that. but the con would be defense. I I know you put some things Ooh, in here really? and what you said I don't want to I don't want to copy. Um I, I'm I'm not sure we're gonna be as good as we were in the previous years, and I don't think we were really great. We were what forty-fifth, fortieth in Ken Palm last year. It struggled year. a little bit. Yep. I think the I am worried a lot, even though we got that rim protection in where I'm worried a lot about fixing seven, eight, nine guys together that haven't played into a defensive system a lot of times it takes a lot of time and effort there's not a lot of returning uh players you got trey but he struggled at sometimes we got x who will put ball pressure on which should help the defense but again that overall that positioning and you have questions can Ambako guard that three the way he needs to in college can renew uh you know guard somebody and stay out of foul trouble What's Gabe Cups going to do when he comes in? so I, I probably am, am a little more worried about defense than a lot of people uh, might be, and that's again, the list of things that you're going to say I agree 100 percent with with everything that that's on your list as well, but one one pro, I think we're going to be a better rebounding team than people might think or even pay attention yep. to because no one talks about rebounding. And then the con is, I, I think I'm really worried
0: about the defense. We do on this show, we talk about rebounding. We talked about it right. a lot, and we've talked about it now. i'm I'm with you on rebounding. It's weird to say that you're going we're going to lose the best rebounder in school history from a numbers perspective, Trace Jackson Davis, and become a better rebounding team. but I'm very I won't say certain, but I feel very confident about that. So the thing for me is. And look, I'm, I'm very high on this team. I think this team has a really high ceiling. I like a lot of the players. Very excited. But I am a little bit worried that kind of just the aggregation of talent and saying McDonald's All-American and McDonald's All-American and five stars and all these guys and the warm feelings we have about CJ and Caleb and all this stuff, you know, as we kind of talk ourselves into this in the offseason, I think it's overshadowed. And the fact that I think we will be good by the end of the year. Like, I think this is a team that is should be able to make a run in March. Um. But I feel like that may be overshadowing a little bit the likelihood that we're going to be in for a roller coaster ride. And I think it may be more of a roller coaster ride than fans are expecting, and there's several reasons for that. One is the undisputed leader. If you ask any IU fan who's a leader of this team, you might get some some answers for Trey, but I think most people would say X. And I think that's smart. He's the six-year senior. He's the catalyst on offense and defense. But X is a human roller coaster. <laughs> He's been a roller coaster on the court. He's been a roller coaster off the court. And we all have high hopes that that will be smoothed out some. And I do think he'll be better. But you're not going to just totally change who he is. And he's a guy who tends to be a little up and down within games, from game to game. And if that's your leader, you're probably going to be a little bit inconsistent. Um, Are we going to get consistent scoring out of the two? It's hard to be a consistent offense when you don't have that consistent scoring on the wing. How's that going to come? You know, the three most talented players on this team are two guys who were kind of up and down as sophomores and a freshman. Now, they're phenomenal players, and I think there are games when all three of them are on that will be able to beat anybody in the country because they're that good. But they're also going to have their ups and downs, and some of those ups and downs may come in the same game. And Indiana's counting on all those three guys a lot. Um, you know, you're relying on a freshman to be to be your backup ball handler. As much as we all love Gabe Cups, he's going to have ups and downs. And you're just replacing so many new players, which is going to have an impact on your defense and just, you know, everything that you're doing. So I like this team. Um, again, I think this team has a lot of potential for February and March, but I think November, December and January could be really up and down <laughs> and like maybe uncomfortably up and down as this team coalesces. So we've got to remind ourselves of that. And it doesn't mean that it changes the ceiling for what can happen in February and March But I just think we all need to get mentally prepared that this thing is going to be kind of up and down for a while, especially with some of the teams that we're playing in the non-conference. So I hope I'm wrong on that. And hopefully it coalesces quicker than I think. And X is ready to be the leader that, you know, we all hope that he can be. Um, But I think just being fair, you know, I I think we should expect this to be pretty up and down. And if it's smoother and better than we think, then kudos to this staff and these players. Um, Because I think there's a lot of things that add up to what could be an inconsistent few months while they uh while they coalesce so those are the, that's what keeps me up at night when indiana basketball keeps me up at night that's what i'm thinking about um okay but great question and that's a fun one i'd love to yeah, know what thanks, you think JD. Too. yeah if you have a if you guys have something different whether you're here live or listening on the podcast let us know It'd be interesting to know
1: the w- one more quick thing that i didn't really prepare for but uh when you were talking too is I, I'm not sure that, that the everyone fits one through five quite yet. I, I need to see that. I think a lot of people think that it's just a natural, the starting lineup's going to fit and flow, but but you got, you know, um, how's it going to fit and all of that. So I'm not sure it's automatically going to that roller coaster part. Does Mbako play the three or would he be better suited at the four? What happens if he's better suited at the four? Well, you know, I I think there's a lot of questions, so I don't think it, it's everything's a mesh yet. That might, you know, uh, be a little different than most of uh, Hoosier Nation and Hoosier Twitter uh, might think because of those labels you said of the 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 talent and and the individual. Uh, the parts are really good, but yes. is the whole there? Uh, as we all believe it is going to be, and when is that hole going to show up? Is it going to be February, March? Or are we going to have done enough to get to a spot in, in February and March? Uh, that That is a big question mark that I'm not sure a lot of people are, are questioning uh, like I am.
0: Yeah, and that's not meant to throw cold water on things. Remember the context. Remember no. when we entered the off season, our discussion was, would you take Illinois' season last year? as the floor, like if you could lock that in. And we all said yes, because that would keep the momentum going. I think we're going to be better than that. So as much as I think it's going to be a roller coaster, I think we're going to be better than Illinois, which was what 11-12 wins in the conference, a nine seed, you know, that would be fine. And if this team does that, all right, none of us are going to be overjoyed, but at least you keep the momentum going. I think this team's going to be better than that. So just, you know, that, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think there's going to be some ups and downs to get there. Uh, but, I, but I think, you know, you got a lot of talent and you got a lot of good guys, and I think they will coalesce. And I think this coaching staff has given us reasons to have some confidence, you know, in their ability to, you know, kind of guide a team through some ups and downs and smooth it out and get them better, playing better toward the end of the season. So that's my, my hope for what this team does. All right, coach, let's do one more question here and then get out uh, from JD. What Big Ten team do you secretly like, even though they've made Indiana's life difficult in your time as a fan? Uh, I'll answer this first. It's Michigan State. Um, I know we all have our quibbles with Izzo and all these things, um, but I've always just appreciated the way that they've played. I've found that I just kind of like some of their players uh, and probably a little bit of jealousy in that they kind of became the program that Indiana was. Uh, and so I you know, respect that about them. Um, and whatever jokes you may have about Tom Izzo being a whiner in post-game press conferences when he loses, which he undoubtedly is, uh, he's also a great basketball coach, uh, and has put together some really fun teams that play the right way, and you know have gone on some some fun runs in March. And honestly, you, you want to know the depre- the most depressing thing about this is the fact that I have found myself too often in March needing a team to cheer for because Indiana's not playing, and there's Michigan State going on another run, and I kind of like cheering for the Big Ten, and so I end up cheering for Michigan State. And if Indiana had been in those tournaments, I wouldn't have been paying attention to them. So it's a credit to them for being good consistently and a reminder of the wilderness that we've been walking through for the last two decades. So Michigan State is my answer.
1: It is also my answer as a a team and program for a lot of the very reasons that you said, Jared. I am more... Now, in the last five or six years, basically because of the bracketology stuff and being able to go to the Big Ten meetings and hear coaches talk and go to the games at Illinois, Purdue, Bloomington, and hear a variety of coaches, I'm more aligned with the coaches. Uh, Coaches I like but want to beat uh, when we play them. And then I I like to hear what they say and and what they're doing. Um, And so that's, you know, for me, uh, I know I catch a lot of grief for Underwood and Pico and Shrewsbury and Izzo. But there's a lot of good coaches. Even the coaches I don't like, like Fran, does a lot of good things offensively. They're, the Big Ten, we are fortunate enough that there are a lot of good coaches. They just need to adapt and play a more modern basketball, so they win in March instead of the tackle football stuff that they've all become accustomed to. But for me, it's, man, I like this coach, but I don't want them to beat Indiana on on this Tuesday night when we play them more than it is, uh, more than it is programs. Um like, I, I felt sorry for Pico with all the, you know, the NIL stuff, losing players and doing stuff like that. I don't know uh, how that's going to play off. But, man, when you sit down and talk to Steve Pico, the, the dude has a plan and he loves Rutgers and he loves where he's at. And, uh you know, that's, you know, I, I will always take heat from everyone there. of You know, I know I wear all the other stuff. But the players there work hard at, at Rutgers and Illinois and Purdue. and They work hard. They're good kids. Most of them are. Um, so college basketball is just awesome. Uh, and big 10 college basketball is awesome too, except for March. Um, other than that, it's good. And I hate to admit that cause I want to not like these guys cause I want to win.
0: So Leslie with the comment of the night, barf, LOL. And that's,
1: that's what I get. Yeah, totally. I know.
0: And so we blame JD for asking a question that would make us say nice things about other big 10 teams, but you know, you're right, coach. I mean, there's, it's, there's good basketball players. It's, it's such a competitive conference. that That's why it means so much to win it. So I know we get our crimson colored glasses on and we're all about Indiana, but if you can't appreciate the good things that happen at other programs too, like we're, we're all still basketball fans at the end of the day. Um, and there's some, there's some good basketball that happens in the conference. So I'm okay to admit that, uh, last thing I had, uh, Oh Yeah.
1: I had an opportunity to go to some private workouts of a of of some other Big Ten basketball players. I'll just say that so that <laughs> Leslie doesn't barf again. Um, great guys, just unbelievable Not Indiana talent, place. and they're the non-Indiana players. Yeah. Um, and, and you know they're they're bench guys at these Big Ten. You know, um, and that's my son. My son has these workouts, and so he takes me with him. Um, he's made some connections and he's got Northwestern guys and, and all, all kinds of stuff that he works out with the, this trainer has him come in and rebound and do the bags. And heck, there's a seven, three kid from West West side that plays for Stony Brook, uh, that my son works out. Really? Uh, just a great, yeah, just a great guy. Uh, everyone works hard, you know, everyone's doing their workouts. For the school, then they're going to their trainers and doing their workouts. Then they're taking their key cards and going in and doing more workouts on their own. It's a it's a huge job for these coaches and these players, Um, and and you get an appreciation from that when you see how hard these guys work and how good they are. And they're the sixth man on on a Big Ten school. Um, It's it's interesting.
0: Last thing I want to say before we get out of here uh, is to wish J.D. Campbell uh, the best in his future endeavors. Um, Don't know if it's officially retirement or if he's doing something else, but uh, J.D. sent an email out and posted a tweet earlier today. For 37 years, my family's life has always revolved around what I've been doing and where I'm at, and it's time that I make my life about them. Looking forward to our next chapter, wherever and whatever it may be. Thank you, everyone, for 16 great years with Indiana. Uh, J.D., for those of you who don't know, um, assistant athletic director and, uh, in charge of sports information, uh, all communications, uh, for Indiana basketball came in under Rick Greenspan. I think, I mean, has been here through a lot of different coaches, a lot of different regimes. JD has seen a lot, um, uh, and really, you know, has been really helpful for us. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, when we started in 2011, you know, a fan based podcast wasn't gonna get an audience with the communications, you know, director at Indiana. Um, and over time, I think he grew to at least appreciate the fact that, you know, we had the best interests of the program in mind with our content and was much more open to talking with us and, you know, help us set up. I mean, you know, last year we got a chance to interview Coach Yaw and the community, you know, and that was set up through JD. Um, and so just appreciate him. You know, kind of, you know, believing in what we do and helping us out, like he did for so many. You know, a lot of people have stories of JD helping them out and uh so just wish him well in whatever he's doing next. You know, he had some, you know, some health issues that cropped up and so I'm sure that was part of the calculus for making this decision, uh, just being able to move on to the next phase, spend time with his family and put in a lot of a lot of hard work and a lot of years at IU and so he's earned that. And so J D, we wish you well and we thank you for the help that you gave us over the years.
1: Absolutely great guy, um, and, and thankful for all that he's done, allowing uh, us to have media uh, access, uh, especially. And then coming up and saying hello. I'm I'm the low guy on the totem pole as far as media and concerns for him. And you know, I was at the Illinois game. He came up and said hello, and and he's just a class person. So best uh, best of luck uh, in in your retirement, and and hopefully uh, all, all your health is fine and. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in Bloomington at some point uh, as a non-employee.
0: And if you ever want to tell us some stories, we know a podcast. Yeah, come on the show. Share some stories. (laughs) (laughs) Man, he has got some stories, I'm sure. A lot of good stories. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for us on this week's edition of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you, as always, for being here with us. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next Thursday. Until then.
1: Take it from me, Thomas Bryant. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers.
0: All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out.
1: Here I come. Mrs. is Don Sony.
0: <laughs> All right. Good stuff, coach. Well, hour and um, 51 minutes. I am going to get just berated when I walk out of this room. Actually, it's not going to be it. She's just going to laugh.
1: She's going <laughs> to laugh in my <laughs>
0: face and then just walk up to bed.
1: That's you sent the text out and said, what are we going to talk about this week? And I was like, I don't know. We're don't right know. in the middle of everything. That was like four, four hours, an hours ago. Hour. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, that no, was good, good exercise. Gr- really good questions. I'm always, always amazed. Not amazed anymore, but just grateful for the questions that come through the community. It makes a host yep. job real easy for, for that segment
0: three. And Yep, absolutely. All right. Coach, have a good one, everybody. All righty. We'll see you all in the community, see you- on Twitter, all that stuff. We'll talk soon.